When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So welcome to this podcast. This is episode 30. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Jonathan Kuline on the line in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. Do I always introduce you third? Uh, no, last week I got, uh, last episode I got to be second. It was very oh. exciting. I felt uh, like a little bit like I had, uh, you know, overtaken Jaime in some sort of way, but, you know, it's good mm. to see that it's just a flexible thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it, yeah, it's, you know, I got called out on the other podcast for not introducing Mark ever second, so... <laughs> We've been correcting that. Well, I haven't, uh, I don't have, a, I don't think I have the same uh, ego concerns, so uh, I'm always no, happy he to have, take... he doesn't have any ego concerns either. He doesn't ha- really Happy to be care. the third banana to Jaime, no problem. Sure. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dig in. Do we have any fact check, Jonathan? Yes. Just a couple of fact check items from our last episode. So uh, around the 33 minute mark, uh, I had said the Unimatrix when I was referring to the, uh, the animated Matrix uh, video that came out or like, a DVD that came out at the time of. Uh, the Matrix trilogy. It's the Animatrix. I had said the Unimatrix when I must have been thinking about Unimatrix from uh, Star Trek Voyager. Uh, and at the 108 mark, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, I think someone had said Game of Thrones was going into season seven. It's actually going into season eight in April. Or the final season. Winter's the final season. That's all, that's all you need to know is it's the last one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and there's uh, yeah, going to be only six episodes this time, right? Six episodes. They're saying they're going to be about I was 80. Kidding, actually. <laughs> six episodes, but 80 minutes a piece. Uh, wow. estimated is the sort of ballpark. So they're, they're going to be plus sized. So really, if you add the 20 minutes off of each episode, you're getting close to eight, eight or nine episodes. Hmm. Cool. But I guess they want to expand per episode what you're getting in one sitting. It's going to be Alrighty. a fun April, May. Jaime, do we have anything in the headlines? Yeah. The official trailer for Star Trek Discovery Season 2, which starts up very, very soon on January 17th, 2019. Um, got some good stuff in there to get you excited for the last, I don't know, week or so before the weight of the premiere. It's got uh, Spock. It's got this mysterious red angel. Um, spoilers, I guess, for season one of uh, Discovery, but it's got Empress Giorgio making a return and all sorts of uh, good stuff. Should be should be exciting. It's worth the uh, the two-minute watch if you haven't seen it yet. Sure, and Ensign Mount as uh, as Captain Pike, the original captain. Oh, so yes, I totally forgot about that. Early yep, captain yep. of the Enterprise? After mm-hmm. Archer, I guess? I don't know. Who, who knows? Who knows which, which timeline we're in anymore? And young bearded Spock. Yeah. You guys have any first impressions of young bearded Spock? It, it looks kind of weird. It looks monkeyish to me, but that's, you know... 
<laughs> he, he seemed perfectly serviceable. I mean, it definitely helps for them to tell you, oh, yeah, this is Spock. And then you just kind of mentally go into it. It's not like they chose somebody specifically who looks like Leonard Nimoy or a young Leonard Nimoy. Um, and that would be tough anyways, because this isn't that long prior to Star Trek, the original series. So they can't like young Han Solo it and be like, yeah, just blink, squint a little bit. That's what the guy looked like when he was a kid. It's like, no, no, no. This is like 10 years prior to what we saw him. So I think it's okay. It's sort of like um, Zachary Quinto, I think was also a very serviceable Spock. So I think it'll be more, you know, uh, less first impression and more, you know, show me what you've got during the series that I'll, I'll really judge him on. Cool. So what else we got, JPK? Well, uh, more Star Trek news this week. Uh, news that we are getting a second Star Trek animated series. So the Hollywood Reporter had a nice scoop this week where they uh, had a story that we're going to get uh, a second animated series. So we, we had talked in our previous episode about um, the, what was it called? Uh, sh- uh, Below Decks? Below Decks? Is that what it's called? Lower Decks. Lower Decks was the series that Jaime had mentioned to us uh, that was going to focus on the support crew that serves on the ship and uh, that that was going to be a series that's headed to CBS All Access, therefore making sure that Jaime has to continue to pay his monthly fee. And uh, we got news this week that they are also working on another animated series that may be skewed towards a younger audience, uh, and it may not be for CBS All Access. So there's there's uh, it's in development, but they haven't said where it's going. Um, so now we factor in, they've got the Picard series in development, they've got the Discovery spinoff with uh, Michelle Yeoh, they've got this Lower Decks, they've got now another animated series going, and the article mentions that there's a Starfleet Academy series that's in development as well. So, Trek, 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 Trek. It's, we've gone from no Trek in our TV universe for a long time to, it sounds like a, a glut of Trek all of a sudden. Lots so, of Trek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um, and there it was also the announcement that they're going to do two more episodes of uh, the Short Treks. So tonight, or today, we're going to this episode, we're going to talk about the fourth and theoretically final episode of Short Treks, but it is in fact not. Uh, they've announced that they're going to do a minimum of two more, uh, and they're going to do them actually right after season two, and they're going to be animated. So. Interesting. You know, The Walking Dead does something like that, too. They had, they had webisodes mm-hmm. um, that sort of dovetailed in, and then they, I think in the last uh, Fear the Walking Dead, they had sort of short little, you know, two-minute long one episodes that kind of broke up into multiple stories. Interesting. But speaking of Picard, what were your, what was the next story? Yeah, so the, the Picard story came out this week as well. So they're talking about how um, where, now that they're starting to break the story down for what they're going to do uh, in this new Picard series, um, the Hollywood Reporter, again, had a great story where the uh, showrunner was talking about how they're going to have a, quote, radically altered uh, Picard. So the series is set uh, post-Nemesis, obviously. It's been, you know, that many years since the end of that. Plus, um, if you'll recall from the 2009 J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek reboot, when when Leonard Nimoy's Spock comes from the past, he mentions that a supernova takes out uh, the Romulan homeworld. And so apparently this series is set basically after the dissolution of the Romulan Empire uh, in the events of Nemesis and the destruction of that homeworld. So apparently Picard is going to be potentially in this sort of uh, not unlike what we saw in the next generation with with Spock himself, who was the ambassador who was going around doing these missions, trying to sort of, you know, be political behind the scenes, trying to, you know, work the universe. Um, We might see Picard in that sort of similar role where 
you know, he's come out the other side, obviously pretty closely tied to the uh, actions in Nemesis. So it's kind of sounds like it's going to be a little bit of a spiritual sequel. So, you know, we talked last episode about the fact that we sort of left him at the end of Nemesis. You know, he and Jordy are on the ship. Data's dead. Uh, Troy and Riker are gone. Worf's gone. Um, so, you know, not much of the old crew going on. So this sort of sounds like it's kind of a little bit of a spiritual sequel they're, he- they're headed towards. So that's kind of neat. Definitely. And it does make me wonder what sort of route they might go and what comes to mind, given that the Empire, the Romulan Empire, the enemy is defeated, is potentially Cold War type stuff, sort mm-hmm. of emulating the, the post-defeat uh, of Nazi Germany, sort of split between the United States and the Soviet Union. Because you could imagine, like, you know, I'm just thinking out here, you know, fan fiction of like, oh, who doesn't like the Romulans and would take advantage of this? Well, the Klingons don't like them, right? And they won't care that they were buddy-buddy during the uh, the Dominion War and helped. They'd be like, hey, look, these guys we don't like, let's go take up their land. And yeah. you could see the Federation being like, bro, that's not cool. <laughs> it's like, maybe we should let them be fine and you know integrate reintegrate them with the Vulcans who were uh, trying to do that in the uh, TNG era. Um, yeah. so, I, so I could see some parallels there. Yeah. So you think this Picard portrayal is going to, it comes off of Nemesis for sure? Like, it's not like an altered universe? Picard? No, they're saying this is within the original timeline. This is we're we're back to the future. So I'm confused because when Kurt when Spock comes back and destroys the 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 Romulan homeworld with this um, red goo, I forget what it's called, agent yep. something or other. Um, uh, and so how does how does the character that that um, uh, Picard's clone how does he get made if there's no Romulan homeworld at that point in time? Because Picard's well in the future, well beyond the the timeline where Spock comes back and breaks everything right well my impression was that that, that at that point the timeline diverges right so it's, it's it's a separate timeline entirely so um the oh, so one... he's not in the same zachary quinto no so the years. so the the yeah the zachary quinto jj abrams star trek is a different timeline so everything that goes forward from there is a different universe than the one that we know from uh the original trek from all the trek the next generation deep space nine voyager you know we we did some of these episodes where they sort of said, you know, the reverberations of time don't affect things massively. So, you know, Picard, you know, still could be a captain in the future or whatever of these different timelines. But I mean, some of the stuff they did, I mean, they blew up Vulcan, they blew up Romulus, like the, the big stuff. So, you know, that has to be its own sort of timeline. Otherwise you just basically say, Hey, remember those com- collective 20 seasons you just watched? None of that happened. So that's a bit of a slap in the face to Star Trek fans. I don't know that that's, you know, so it's not going to be Picard at the, at the helm of a pirate. Pirate Enterprise or something like that. Yeah, I don't think we're going to just suddenly get him showing up with a goatee and uh, you know being on the the mirror universe or something. I think it's I think it's it, it, again we talked about the last episode. I think it's really cool that we're finally getting back to the future where we're we actually have established that because we haven't seen that since the end of Voyager was the last time we saw that um, you know or, or Nemesis was the last time we saw that branch of the Star Trek universe. There was no nothing after that because then they went back to Enterprise. They went back to the past. And then they've gone with the J.J. Abrams where they've sort of split the timeline. So we kind of left that in this this nowhere land. So it's, it's awesome. They're getting back to it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, late update to our Star Trek uh, stuff. I meant to, to put this in. I'll put this in to our show notes after. But um, there was a story yesterday as well that um, there's a report. Well, we clarified that it is a report um, that the Star Trek 4, whatever it would be called, the post-beyond 
theatrical movie, uh, the Chris Pine, uh, Zachary Quinto stuff, is now indefinitely on hold. Um, apparently, the person who is going to be the director of that, whose name is S.J. Clarkson, uh, first was be the first female director of a Star Trek film, um, has apparently been signed on to be the uh, pilot director and executive producer of the new Game of Thrones series for HBO. Mm. And uh, so there was a story that basically came out yesterday saying, hey, that means that uh, this is basically indefinitely now on the shelf because she's not going to do both because obviously the responsibility of a Game of Thrones HBO series is not a light one. So, And Chris Pine's not coming back too, right? Well, there was a whole thing last year about whether Pine would or wouldn't come back and apparently he said he was interested and he wanted to, but he wanted to be treated fairly because obviously he's the star of the show um, and uh, there was some dual negotiations because apparently they wanted to bring back Chris Hemsworth as his father and obviously Mr. Hemsworth gets paid a significant penny after casting himself as, you know, uh, Thor over the last, you know, 10 years plus, um, you know, he's going to be in the new Men in Black and he's a star. Um, so they were did, sort of running into... did he into, die in the first episode though? He reboot? did in fact die. So obviously there would have to be some time, uh, timey-wimey, what is it? Doctor Who calls it? Timey-wimey? There would have to be a little bit of time machination to make that work. But apparently that was the, the um, plot was that there was going to be some sort of adventure that would have brought George Kirk uh, into an adventure where we'd have to team up with his son. Um, so interesting, but apparently that is now, um, this is from Deadline. Deadline basically said that the fact that the director has been snapped up by uh, HBO is not good for Star Trek Four. So it doesn't sound like we're going to be getting anything from that. Um, and, you know, I, I'll be honest with with all the sort of excitement of, of the ramp up on television again, you know, I enjoy the reboots. I thought all three of them were good in their own way. They, you know, they weren't the best movies, but they were certainly enjoyable to see, you know, that world on, on the big screen. I'm I'm not dying for a sequel, but then, you know, they don't do a bad job. So I, I would take more if they want to make more. But I'm also, you know, I'm keen to see what they do with Discovery and Picard and the, you know, Michelle Yeoh series. And, and, and we just talked about there's going to be at this point, it sounds like five or six different things on the go. So, well, Netflix has sort of introduced a new idiom in that, you know, you've got movies that are coming out on Netflix, but also in the theater at the same mm -hmm. time, like Bird Box and the, the Buster Crab or whatever it's called, Adventures of Buster Somebody the Cone movie, mm -hmm. Cone Brothers movie. So maybe that's somewhere that's going to change change up the way that, that we see films, you know, specifically, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. the, there's an audience that wants to sit at home and chill, and there's an audience that wants to go to the big theater and, you know, get the big sound and the bad popcorn and stuff, you know? Yeah, no, it could be an interesting next few years for us to sort of see how these things evolve. I mean, even if they put it into the theater for, you know, a couple of weeks and then, you know, and then it moves on to their services, you know, it, it changes the way the game's played certainly does and it makes you know again we've already we've already had this discussion about how Jaime has waffled back and forth about whether or not to have a subscription to some of these things but boy if they're going to start giving us content like that it's awfully hard to want to cut it off if they're especially if they're doing that in they have the brands right you know CBS has Star Trek right now and that's gold I mean obviously they're sharing it with Netflix uh, internationally uh, and they're sharing it with Space which is Bell here in Canada um, but you know if you have the brands you can certainly do a lot with that you know I mean, 
you, you might see you know bigger and bigger things starting to move, migrate to television in different ways that way yeah it's funny space has become space has always sort of been the, the sci-fi place to go like to get your sci-fi content. but lately it's like every night it's like star trek channel you know yeah it's very strange i was just watching an episode just before we started recording which i'd never seen before um all right what's happening with uh our netflix pals mr Dare- daredevil well we talked in our last episode about the fact that uh netflix had canceled the marvel's daredevil series uh and we were sort of speculating well what does cancellation mean you know we know that disney is launching its disney plus service would they want to reboot some of those characters on that service or would they think about moving them to hulu uh since they will own a, a majority share in hulu once they finish their purchase of fox and their assets and um the news came out uh last week that daredevil is apparently uh has a clause in it that says that it's for two years that netflix basically has the exclusive rights to it so the earliest that we could get a next season for daredevil if it were to move platforms is two years away so i don't uh know if that is applicable to the other uh netflix marvel series it'd be very logical to assume that that's the case so if it's two years post cancellation or two years past i I don't know what the exact date is um you know absence makes the heart grow uh weaker i don't know people if you didn't give them a netflix uh style daredevil luke cage iron fist jessica jones punisher defenders series for a two-year span um you know does that make people hungrier for it or does that mean people are like yeah i've moved on especially in the content crazy world where people are just getting more and more and more so um and and there was a follow-up a very small one um this week where mike coulter the actor who played luke cage quite well i think um said basically i think you know i still feel like somewhere down the road i'm gonna play this character again now Mm. that could just be him you know hoping that that's the case but you know for he for him to go on the record and say that that's it's a glimmer of hope for people out there who like me who enjoyed those series you know like uh, i think we agreed last episode that there was a, a lot of good there was certainly some improvements that could be made but um certainly didn't deserve to get the axe like a lot of them did maybe some did iron fist some some of them deserved well, yeah, yeah i could understand why this two-year gap exists i mean it's sort of in netflix's or was in netflix's best interest um when they set up the contracts it's a real bummer for fans for the precise reasons that jonathan just talked about where it kind of left wondering okay like clearly Disney's going to do something with this, but but what? Given the time skip here, is it? Hey, um, we'll put all the main stars on these retainers, hang on to them, like get ready to get started in 2020 because that's when we're going to start making this thing. We're going to release it right on the day that you know the expiration handles uh, comes into play for the two years. Or are they going to Batman Begins it and be like, hey, guess what? It's a new Batman. You know, it's it's uh it's kind of in the same vein, but it's a totally different person sort of thing. I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen there, and so I'm I'm very interested to see there and my betting money says all of these properties that they took off of netflix will come out on uh, disney plus uh, it's just not clear to me what format they'll be so what other what other and um, brands are they taking off of netflix i think it was all the defenders characters right Did yeah, I get that yeah right? it was all the all the stuff they had in their partnership with marvel so, oh, uh, so jessica jones, jones yeah. the punisher which the punisher we're gonna get season two of that in uh, a week i think it's uh, middle of yeah next week it's gonna be the middle of uh, january we're gonna finally see that um, I, I wonder if we're going to immediately get the cancellation news, you know, a week after that, because that seems like it's been the pattern. Is it, you know, they're mm. like, hey, hope you enjoyed that. Bye. Um, and then, yeah, Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Daredevil, and then Defenders, which they'd already said there was probably not going to be another 
Defenders series because it did not uh, inspire as they hoped. Mm-hmm. All right. So how's uh, what's next, Jonathan? Next, well, this one got me really excited. Um, so this was a couple weeks ago, but very uh, very cool. So um, the Dark Crystal is one of my all time favorite movies. Uh, saw it in the theater when I was a kid, and um, really really excited to see that it is getting revived. So the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance is going to be a ten episode prequel series set uh, before the Dark Crystal in the world uh, of Dark Crystal. Um, and so we got our first look at this uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, and we got a first taste of who's going to be on the voice cast because obviously this uh, is done through uh, Jim Henson's company. Um, there's going to be obviously a lot of puppets playing these different characters. Uh, but we're going to get uh, Mark Hamill is going to do one of the voices. Uh, right. Natalie, Natalie Emanuel, who is from Game of Thrones. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, Taron Egerton, Helena Bonham Carter. Um, so a, a pretty cool little taste of that. And we actually got to see uh, a few pictures. And again, it looks very much like that world. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty cool to see um, all these sort of familiar tastes of this world. And uh, and I can't wait, but it does. They still haven't said when they uh, anticipate releasing it. I'm just double checking this story right now, but I don't see anything. It says sometime in 2019. So it is coming this year. Um, and it is definitely one of my most anticipated series of the year. But uh, yeah, really, really cool to get our first look at that. It's been 30 years since we've had a, a chance to go back to that world. So very cool. Oh, yeah. It's rapid fire. What's next? Rapid fire. Here we go. Uh, so Benicio Del Toro. Oh, my goodness. This one made me laugh. So uh, the uh, story from the AV Club, uh, Benicio Del Toro is going to play Swiper. Swiper what? in uh, the Dora the Explorer movie. Um, I just, I, words just fail me, really. Um, yeah. Signed on for a starring role in uh, Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Coming off of uh, Sicario 2, uh, uh, Day of the kids. Soldado. Yeah. yeah, so uh, he's going to be the voice of uh, oh, okay. a live action CG hybrid film swiper. Um, yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, when I first saw him, you know, as a rising star in uh, in the James Bond movie and in uh, Usual Suspects, it just never occurred to me this man should be Swiper the Fox. Uh, but yep, there it is. So Benicio Del Toro, we were joking about the uh, weird things that were being turned into live action movies and how everything just sort of comes back around again. We talked last episode about uh, how they're turning all these great anime series into live action and how they're turning all these cartoon series into live action. Well, hey, big name. You want, you're a Dora the Explorer fan. You're getting a big name cast member for your new movie. So there you go. Yeah, this one's cool. I mean, I guess in a way it sort of makes sense. You know, spoilers for Star Wars, The Last Jedi, but this is kind of similar to his character DJ in that movie, you know, yeah. looking to swipe stuff. So, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Sicario true. is a little bit more hard edged than that. But uh, well, it, we eventually reasonable. sit down to do our Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of uh, Star Wars Episode 8, then we can do Swiper No Swiping when he, when he comes on screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be, I mean, th- what's next? You have 
SpongeBob SquarePants played by like I don't know Vin Diesel or, or Danny Trejo <laughs> or something. Like what's, what's I am Groot. That's yeah, yeah. That was a stretch, but anyways, that one made me laugh, and it definitely it ticked off of our uh, conversation last time. So I thought I'd flag that one for our fans. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, speaking of recycled uh, superheroes, I mean. Or, or, or renewed, revitalized. How about revitalized? <laughs> All right. Maybe that's a term. So the new Hellboy 2019 movie. Uh, there's a trailer out there. Uh, we'll have that linked in the show notes so those of you transporting your home. This one does not star Ron Perlman, which seems to be news to a lot of folks in the comments. It is, in fact, uh, David Harbour, who you might know as the, was he the sheriff? Jim Hopper sheriff. in uh, yep. Stranger Things. Yep. And he's been in a billion things oh, since guy. then, yeah, like yeah. Suicide Squad and stuff. Um, but he's going to be the one uh, taking on the uh, the horns and the in the glove so that mm-hmm. comes out uh, April 12th it looks like what did you think I thought it was pretty reasonable I mean people seem to give a lot of grief on the on the trailer but um, I mean it starts off pretty good it seemed a little bit more uh, low key in terms of the the comedy aspect it seemed like it was being played a little bit more straight mm-hmm. than the original Hellboy but uh, but we'll see I mean they show the uh, the full horned full demon sort of mode in the trailer so I, I imagine it might have some uh, um, some comedy and darkness together it's a nice blend yeah, it almost, feel, it almost felt in the trailer like it was cheating, though. You think about even the fact it's only been, what, uh, 12, 15 years since the first one came out? Think about the advances they've made in digital technology to be able to just make it that much better. You know, if they put this level of effort and modern technology into the last one, how much better the last one would have looked and felt mm. and everything else. You know, it, it almost felt like, I f- almost felt a little bad for, you know, the uh, the previous ones where it's like, oh, man, you know, you're going to get compared to this new one. And I don't know that that's apples and orange uh, apples and apples it feels like apples and oranges when you get that like you know 10 years of technological advancements sure sure and i, I do wonder because i don't think this specific trailer showed it but i do wonder if the um i forget the merman's character's name but he was voiced by david hyde pierce and i think it was doug right. jones as the uh, yeah. actor yeah. which kind of makes sense because he also did doug jones also did the shape of water creature if i'm not mistaken so and saru and saru yes sorry i, I guess i should have said that you know for folks who watch discovery that would be Saru. Like every time you need some weird creature, uh, it's yeah. either Andy Circus or Doug Jones. You call them up and see who answers the phone first. I'll, I'll be honest. I hope at some point that they finally get the, the respect that those two are due. At some point, they got to get the Lifetime Achievement Oscars because, geez, those guys are doing great work. You know, like think about how different movies like Shape of Water, Hellboy to a lesser extent, you know, the Hobbit films, the, the Lord of the Rings films are without those performances. You know, yeah. like that's Planet of the Apes, the new Planet of the Apes ones, too. Oh. Right. The last one, the, the last one of the Apes movie was amazing. The acting was incredible. You know, the the amount of emotion in those digital characters was astounding. Yeah, I was going to say I watched the movie the other day, and when I when I sort of went on the IMDb and followed who this actor was, I also saw that he was the other character in the last um, Planet of the Apes movie, and like, so he's getting sort of Andy Circus kind of cred for his his what do you call that? Not stop motion. What do you call it? Um, motion, motion capture. capture. Motion capture. Yeah, his motion capture performance. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Hmm. Yeah. So why wouldn't they do? Why wouldn't they do Hellboy with motion capture? I guess it's not necessary. I mean, there, there has been this renaissance in practical effects too, right? I That's mean, true, yeah. when you look at what they did, that one scene that Jaime referenced, where you know Hellboy is basically rising from the pits of hell, and he is the fully uh, done up in prosthetics uh, David Harbor plus 
plus the digital horns floating over his head and stuff like that that's you know that that's the best of all worlds yeah true mm-hmm. what else you got Jaime? yeah this is one that i didn't know we needed but uh the internet has provided i think here in uh that would be the trailer for men in black international a sequel to the men in black series that stars chris hemsworth that would be thor and tessa thompson that was the valkyrie from thor ragnarok they are rejoined to be uh, the characters in uh, the i forget which exact agents oh uh, there we go agent h and agent m so it's humans humans in black sure <laughs> i'm missing something I'm here like persons, persons, in persons in black persons in black <laughs> people in black yeah um it, the the men in black name is uh well i mean based on their mythology it started like in the 50s ish era so you know it was a less inclusive time um, that's true. Well, they had Emma Thompson, though. So they're being uh, they're being more inclusive by by going in across the pond to to London. And this um, does not star Tommy Lee Jones nor Will Smith, though there is a little no Michael Jackson cameo. No Michael Jackson cameo, but there is a <laughs> nod to them in the trailer with the uh, like paintings in the background that show like some of their their heroic deeds. And uh, it looks like this comes out on June fourteenth of this year. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know we need that one either. Yeah, I wonder in the very competitive uh and we can we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh the uh anticipated movies for this year it's on the list but on a list of 30 movies this year and 10 of those are must-sees i'm not sure that's probably in the bubble on the bubble for me that feels an awful lot like a watch it on vod cool yeah but right, funny. they're good they're both both of them are good actors and they're both funny so they could be good yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then honey then we have a uh special look at captain marvel that is coming out in uh, what is that march 8th i think and uh it shows uh, more good stuff you know more of the interaction between a uh, a young nick fury played by um mr glass of why is his name escaping by samuel l jackson um and uh i mean i don't know like i'm really excited for this movie watch this trailer if you are somehow not excited i don't know i guess we can't be friends anymore but <laughs> check your pulse right. the podcast is over yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I just think it will hopefully be one of the the better movies that we'll see coming out of the marvel series this year um of course we've got avengers endgame that everybody's excited about but this one should lead right into that in a rather nice way so looking forward to that oh i threw in an extra link here that was uh i was watching the golden globe awards and i noticed this what appears to be a very expensive ad by walmart of, uh, of all companies so walmart is trying to push the uh grocery pickup so you order online and then you just show up to this little spot this little pre-designated parking spot and walmart employees will come out with your stuff already pre-picked for you kind of like a halfway in between amazon prime now and instacart you think of it that way but the whole sort of gist of this commercial is they show just about every famous vehicle or franchise that somehow involve vehicles like the transformers and batman scooby-doo uh the dumb and dumber van um even a jurassic park vehicle uh interacting with the walmart employees in humorous ways if you didn't somehow didn't see the ad because they've been playing it a lot on tv we have or covered up by shows. canada's like you know don't show american commercials during the golden globes kind of stuff oh, oh Oh, really? Did they did they do that? I oh, didn't see. It. I watched the Golden Globes. And I, well, mind you, I, I didn't watch it from the very beginning. I watched missed maybe the first twenty minutes or so. But well, and they don't air ads for that if it doesn't if it's service that doesn't apply here. And I right I'll, right. You know, we played this game before, but I have not looked it up. I wonder if that service is coming here. Also, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like it'd be rather handy given the uh, inclement weather that I understand happens in Canada from time to time. Could imagine True. 
not wanting to get out of the car <laughs> to go pick up groceries. Uh, Said the man who's sitting like, you know, 40 degrees north of us. Well, and I was going to say, and as opposed to the the beach-like conditions in Seattle in January. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's more like a tropical rainforest by comparison to the, That's true. Um, you know, the, the wildlings type environment they imagine that, that you all live through during the winter time frame. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, you nailed it. That's pretty much what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. Well, well, they haven't built the Northern Wall yet, so. That's true. Well, it's just because Trump hasn't looked up yet. Yeah. <laughs> Wait yeah. for it. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're at the main part of the show, the main beef of the show, the thing that started this whole thing. Well, I guess sort of this kind of an offshoot of the thing that started this podcast. Yeah, it's that a thing. That Star Trek Discovery. Yep. And uh, again, this is such a short little, these short treks are only 15 minutes long, I believe, 20 minutes long. So we really can't do much of a spoiler. Well, we can not do the big reveal at the end. I guess, but um, so we just saw the escape artist uh, starring um, Rain, what's Rain Wilson as yep. Harry Mudd. So one of my favorite characters from the original Star Trek, as well as this one. So what did you guys think of the escape artist short track? I mean, I, I liked it. I, I'd have to sit back and think about of the four short treks which that I like the most. I still think that Calypso, the one with uh, Kraft, the guy from the future, in the future, might be um, sort of the most poignant one for me. And possibly even the, the one with Saru was kind of interesting from a, oh, this explains where that character comes from. This particular episode, to me, lives and dies 100% on the um, excellent acting and charisma coming off of Rain Wilson playing um, Mr. Mudd there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of curious what you guys thought because I'm a little bit less uh, less vested in the original series. I, fans of the show might know that I grew up with TNG as my uh, my Star Trek, so that's sort of where I the the lens that I view things through. But I'm very curious what you all thought. Yeah, I mean the, the sort of um, it, the Harry Mudd character in the original series and the guy who sells the Tribbles. I don't forgot his name, but um, they're sort of the snake oil salesman that you used to get in westerns. You know, back in the day, like there would be some sort of guy who would come into town on a rainmaker or uh, or selling snake oil or whatever and so that was a sort of because i mean the original series was very much a western right so um in, in that same sort of genre it was like basically meant meant to be like you know i forget gun smoke in in space or something you know that kind of thing right so that kind of character is not not say threat as threatening as as picard's clone i can't remember his name now um you know or some of the the nastier you know p- villains we've seen in star trek you know that was like even emperor Giorgio on the on the on the uh, the the evil side of the mirror universe um so it's a fun character and the the the, the guy who plays it's kind of an interesting point though i don't know if you have you seen the two harry mud episodes at all from the original series Jaime? I have, and I'm not even sure if it's spoilers to talk about the title well, it is to, to of, talk of about one this, of them. Oh, I don't know about the title of the second one, but the second one, as we know, is Harry Mudd's dealing in androids, right? So, which is why this becomes a really interesting sort of spoiler warning, um, a twist in inside of uh, inside of uh, this last this short track that we just watched, right? So, and I, I love the fact, you know, like he'd sort of, I would never say that, and then they cut to a scene where he's saying exactly what <laughs> he would never say, you know, yeah. or in the past kind of thing, right? So. 
flashbacks. Um, it was fun. I mean, you know, of all of all the the short treks, I think this one for me was was the most interesting. You know, I like the whole. I like the, the throwbacks to the actual uh, first season when they talk about you know him and him. What do they say? Uh, what was the word? Impregnate, not impregnating a, a, a whale or something, a space whale, or they, they use a different term. But they, you know, getting inside Being of a space inside. Whale. I'm not even yeah. sure if we have to censor the word that they have specific yeah. word they used. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So space kissing. What is that? We use that before, right? Talking about yeah, like like penetrating or something. Yeah. 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 Infiltrating or something like that. Yeah. There was, it was a word they used in it, which actually didn't sound, which sounded dirtier than we're making it sound. But yeah. Uh, yeah. It was interesting. What do you think of it, Jonathan? Uh, I, it was easily the most digestible of the four uh, short tracks. It was, it moved very fast. It was well made. It was obviously, uh, because it was cutting back and forth in different periods of time, uh, it had these sort of quick cuts. Uh, it was well done. It was well, and uh, apparently um, Rain Wilson also directed it. Um, oh, really? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, double double duty and, and double duty done well. He's he's charming and he's funny, and uh, yeah, you know, he clearly loves that character. He gets exactly what the original actor was going for, and he's clearly uh, paying a great homage to that. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's by far, it's the most sort of digestible one. It's it's not a head scratcher. It's clearly just sort of sit down. You know, it should come with a bag of popcorn because it's just a delightful little, you know, little popcorn munch. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure as you know, think about the order of those things. Yeah, it's you know, we started off with sort of a you know Tilly's existential sort of moment, and then we went on to um, the um, Calypso, yeah, the Calypso, which was obviously the deepest think, think piece of these four. Uh, then we did the Saru episode, and now we've got this one. Obviously. They're very different in tone. Um, you know, we don't know how this is going to impact. We talked about this in previous episodes, how this is going to sort of whether or not these things will have weight or consequence on the season that's coming or if they're just one offs. But as a one off story, this was wonderful. It was it was great. It was a great, funny little look at a character who's long established in the canon of Star Trek. And, uh, you know, it does have a delightful twist. And uh, it is the most perfectly uh, Harry Mud Harry Mud episode you would expect to see so so i think it was really yeah it was, it's definitely a, an enjoyable little 15 minute uh bite of star trek yeah there's sort of like little mini um uh twilight zone kind of episodes where you know there's a little story that's like you said self-contained doesn't need to i mean it's in a universe we're comfortable with you know but it doesn't necessarily have to, they don't have to can be connected and they can be sort of enjoyed on their own it's not like you know like the clone wars or or rebels where you sort of have a story that runs they were they originally sort of seemed to be self-contained as well but they, they had a long-running arc in them as well. But this doesn't seem to have any sort of connection or any kind of arc that we know of yet. Um, so they're kind of fun in their own way. And they're sort of like, they're like the Animatrix in the sense that they're, they're four different views of the same universe, maybe like almost like four different directors, four different writers, you know, playing with the characters, right? And um, yeah. what's, what's fun for me, though, is coming back to the sort of snake oil ang angle, is that um, in a lot of the science fiction books that I read as a kid, like, you know, Asimov and Heinlein and stuff like that, um, not so much Archer, C. Clark, he always took himself too seriously, but there was always a character or someone out there to make a buck. There's always somebody yeah. who's got to make a buck off of this, this whatever we're in, like, you know, whether it was the shipping stories and the original foundation, you know, like the, the guys who did the, the early transports between planets and because somebody had to do that. Somebody had to be the Uber driver in, you know, in space. Right. Um, and it's just fun to sort of see these, this, you know, kind of character always work in an angle, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and he works quite a few angles in this in this one and you know ultimately he he pulls the pulls the wood o wool over the uh, federation's eyes as well 
well. So yep. yeah, that was good. Nice tee up. I'm excited. And it was a nice little bridge. It was nice to have some, some Trek back in our world because it was a long gap. So it was nice to have something to look forward to in that universe. And it, it has, it's made me keen to dive back in in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And if I had to pick my favorite episode from um, the series that we just, the, the first season, I the Harry Mudd episode for me, for sure. Like, oh, you the, know. the one with the time loop? Yeah. I love, oh, I love that, that kind it of It was stuff. a great episode. It was. Uh, it was really well done. Anytime Star Trek does that, like, you know, the one in TNG where they're stuck and the, the, the Enterprise bl- keeps blowing up and they have to keep going back and, yeah. you know, spoilers. It's kind of like Bandersnatch in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, every time somebody remembers something slightly different and, and uh, I, I like those kind of angles where there's an insolvable puzzle that they eventually muddle their way through, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Good. I highly recommend this episode. All right. So moving on, we also saw two episodes of the Orville season two so that we could talk about. So dive in. Well, I'll file, I'll fire the first shot. So the, right. the, <laughs> the first episode was Jaloja, which was uh, the great release. Uh, the episode centered around uh, um, Bordas, who had to return to his home world where he was to do his uh, annual uh, bladder release. He has to go back to his home world and in a ceremonial fashion have the one pee that he has a year. Um, funny concept. Um, not exactly a funny episode. The B plot was around the doctor and her son not behaving himself and that was pretty weak i thought um and there's sort of a dr isaac chemistry thing there was a uh, another subplot with um uh captain ed mercer and kelly his first officer slash ex-wife um who he's still carrying a torch for her she's moved on she started a new relationship um and then they introduce uh the new dark matter cartographer lieutenant janelle tyler on board who immediately catches is the interest of um, uh, Ensign Tyler, the uh, the um, the goofball, the goofball, <laughs> yes, the lovable Ralph Mouth, ship, yeah, yeah. ship pilot. Um, so immediately, there's sort of a setup there for Ed and uh, and Gordon having a, a sort of love triangle. Um, uh, uh, or, yeah, it's Gordon um, for Ed and Gordon to have a little uh, love triangle thing going on with Tyler. They did not pick that up in the second episode. The second episode was uh, about Bordis uh, again. Um, Bordis focusing on the fact that he has become a, a hollow porn addict, which really immediately tweaked me back to uh, a TNG episode about somebody who had some difficulty separating really? from the... Uh, yeah, I'm sure Jaime will remember this one very vividly. Um, which episodes are that? Sorry. Uh, it's the one where... Uh, oh, Do you remember his name? The the character name? Barkley? Uh, Barkley, yes. Barkley mm-hmm. becomes addicted to the holodeck. Oh, okay. And uh, so then it's about his, ability, his problems with becoming addicted to it and not being able to, you know, separate reality and and sort of becoming too deeply involved in that world. In this case, they take it to the next level, which is that um, exactly where you think people would go if they could create these fully realized digital immersive oh, worlds. I think which they is, could go for much further than that. Which, which is to go in there and and uh, and have lots of sex. Um, so Bordis becomes a hollow uh, porn addict. He goes in there and starts having sex with uh, uh, fellow members of his race uh, that are, you know, uh, holograms. Um, his husband finds out uh or is frustrated with his absence and his behavior and uh tries to murder slash divorce him because the the way that they divorce one another is by stabbing them through the chest and yeah the, the story also sort of focuses on this rescue mission as the as the uh, orville tries to save these people who are on a planet that is being quickly uh, melted away by their their son uh bordis's uh porn addiction ends up uh bringing some malware aboard the ship which makes their rescue 
rescue mission right, dangerous. Right. Um, and in the end, uh, Bordas learns a valuable lesson about uh, family and value and all this stuff. And, and we do get a tie back to season one when uh, Bordas and his husband Clyden uh, have to make the decision whether or not to uh, alter the gender of their child, um, which was a very contentious sort of subject and, uh, you know, interesting subject matter for an episode last year. So that's the summary. In the sum of the in the sum of their parts, I cannot say I'm very enthused so far by the first two I'm episodes. Absolutely, right there with you. I, I just I, kept WTF for the three letters that came to mind as I was watching these episodes. Yeah, I, I, I they're not funny enough to be funny, and they're not good enough to be simply good sci-fi. They the tone is just all, all over the place. I don't feel a real investment in any of the characters. Um, and as a matter of fact, I feel downright uh, open dislike for several of them. Um, in a peculiar one we had a i think we had said a few episodes ago halston sage who plays alara the yeah, security leaving, officer yeah. is leaving um i have a feeling that it's in the next episode just based on some stuff that i'd read online but i can't uh confirm that um so it was weird to see her there knowing that that was the case and they haven't addressed in any kind of way that that's a problem um maybe she read the scripts or something well and that was honestly i found myself thinking like maybe she got out in time because it's it's not great sci-fi and it's just not even great television and from somebody who's as creative as seth MacFarlane is and i am a fan i mean family guy is a terrific show he's very very funny he, i've seen some of his other work um and enjoyed it but this is just not uh maximizing the potential and even some of the other cast you know i enjoy um some of the other actors and there were sort of glimpses in the last season but i'm i'm kind of it's you know this is brussels sprouts this is not steak right right what'd you think yeah. i yeah i i, I I can understand the first two episode thing. Um, I will note here that uh, at least one of these episodes that we saw was more than likely one that was slated for season one. And I think we talked about how sort of early on they were sort of trying to get their footing on and a grasp of the tone. Like, how funny are we going to go? How dramatic are we going to go? Uh, I would agree that both of these episodes kind of swing sort of wildly back and forth, which implied to me that, that even if only one of them was planned to be in season one, it kind of feels like both were written during the season one time frame. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very similar to Voyager, which also had like a couple episodes that were written and intended to be season one and ended up getting shoved into season two. And tonally, they're quite weird from the rest of the season two episodes. So I, I'll give it a little bit of a pass thinking, all right, this was probably uh, early episodes and not some of the better episodes that we talked about from season one of the Orville. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm slightly contrarian in that like, I, uh, it sounds like unlike the two of you guys, I'll probably continue watching. I don't know that I'll, uh, make the same grand proclamation I just made with Captain Marvel. Like, we, we can't be friends anymore if you're not excited. Uh, <laughs> this one, I totally understand why people would not be excited. Uh, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Um, it's kind of for me, so I'll at least kind of watch it, you know? Um, so could you imagine, though, being... You've been listening to these guys last year talk about this great show called The Orville, which is sort of a reboot, and it's a new, fresh take on the whole tre trekking through space kind of thing, and these are the first two episodes you watch. What would... What what would compel you to watch episode three? I look at it as a very expensive, great sci-fi special. I mean, I don't, I don't even know why they, anim they went through the, the process of animating the ships in these in this this episode. And yeah. I mean, even the way that the shuttle kind of whips around is is a little implausible too. But um, in this in this last episode, especially. But um, yeah, I mean, like you know, the planet's blowing up, and this shuttle is able to just sort of cruise around in space while you're, you know everybody else is melting. And you know, it just yeah, there was a lot of lot of flaws in these two episodes. I found it found it really weak, and I'm it's kind of like. Remember how I sort of said I'm 
I'm I'm really struggling to to get back into into Supergirl because of the whole blatant racism that or that they're or uh, what is it is it racism I guess it is racism that they they sort of throw yeah. in your face you know yeah the anti-immigrant stuff they're doing yeah. yeah yeah I mean and and again that was my big problem with Enterprise I unlike the rest of you guys maybe we can't be friends I liked the the Enterprise reboot right uh, that they did with with Captain Archer and I didn't like it when you know the Americans went to the war in the Gulf and the Zindi showed up in in Enterprise yeah that was a mere, little heavy-handed yeah so even even the Dominion War in in uh, Deep Space Nine was was a turnoff for me because it was all during that same sort of like I got crap happening on the news and I don't want to watch it in my sci-fi at the same time you know so I mean scared the hell out of me in sci-fi or something like that but don't you know just mirror what's happening in my daily life right give me something some sort of escape right well that sounds like so. the Orville is perfect for you because like almost <laughs> nothing that they're dealing with here <laughs> not is parallels real life. remotely yeah, yeah, yeah. related to political situ geopolitical situations well and again uh, we, we talked about it you know the Bordis episode had episode uh, you know immediately sort of hit me as that sort of retread of the Barkley storyline uh, you know we talked about one of the weaknesses or of even, season or one the, the direct ripoff from the Vulcan what's it uh, mock time a mock time right yeah yeah I mean the, the both of the episodes you know did exactly what last year's sort of weaknesses were was it felt like it was going for homage to track but it wasn't fresh enough it wasn't like they freshened them up enough I mean just the fact that it you know it's changed from you know well I'm addicted to it because I like spending time in there to I'm addicted to it because I get to go in there and have sex with other um, Mocklins that's it, not imaginary that's not imaginative enough either right it, it truly isn't and you know it made me think you know the you know we're going to see some changes in the next little while because um, you know uh, the purchase of Disney is going to buy some of the Fox assets but Fox is going to keep his network and so you know it made me think you know this whole experience makes me wonder what this series would have been like if it was a Netflix series or something where they could mm -hmm. just drop the gloves is where, it a Disney series or Fox series no it's a Fox series it's a it, yeah it's made for Fox um, I wonder though again it's network television right so it's like network, so they'll they'll push the envelope but to only to a certain degree it's not even to the borders of where we go on Family Guy like it's not as edgy as Family Guy no nowhere near yeah it's actually a little too saccharine at times it's a little too you know like it's not even you know there was some moments on TNG and some of those ones where you're like oh, this is a little sappy but not often yeah Whereas but like this... when they did things like Minuet the character Minuet in, in The Next Generation like the couple of episodes that she was in so that was stuff was was pretty great sci-fi like from that point of view like you it, know... it was it was but again it was exploring themes and again I, no disrespect to the people who are doing there but I think it's just it's the strength of writing and again I don't know what kind of constraints they're under you know again writing for network versus you know syndication versus you know nowadays I think the problem is is that we're exposed to so much great TV you know we talked about this in our on our past episodes you know when you're when you're competing for a, a piece of the pie in a network versus network world that's one thing when you're competing across all platforms boy it's awfully hard to make a case for this needing to be on your menu true but yeah. again I think you know I've got some investment I think I will probably you know well, I haven't raised out. my PVR setting that's for sure yeah yeah I'll, I'll probably keep track I don't know that I will be like you know clamoring on a Thursday night to immediately find out what happens um, it'll be interesting you know uh, obviously uh, for all our fans we will you know try and keep a more regular schedule as we get into discovery going into a more regular mode um, in the next few weeks it'll be interesting to see uh, which of us or if any of us uh, stay regular with Orville or if we'd sort of come at it in bits and pieces um, because again we're, we're also you know we're starting into a time of year where we are going to get 
get more, you know, yeah. for me, the flash is coming back and arrows coming back and Supergirl's coming back. And, uh, here in Canada, we're going to finally get, um, we're going to get runaway season two Titans from the DC app is coming to, uh, to our television airwaves. So there's going to be a lot of genre sci-fi stuff. Plus you never know. They're going to, you know, again, we talked about Punisher season two. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming in, you know, even early in this year, we're going to see a lot of content. You know, can you make another, and, and they increased the length of the episode times. That was one of the things that we didn't really get into, but they increased the episode, uh, times to like 50 minutes. I think there are almost 50 minutes long too. With the Orville? The Orville. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you know, that's a commitment and, you know, I'm not sure where, you know, if I had to rank it right now and the shows that I'm watching, it's at the bottom. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like just, just to close on this point, I think last year, you know, we were all, we started this podcast based on watching Star Trek Discovery and the Orville came up as a sort of alternate. And I think for you guys, at least the Orville was competing with Star Trek Discovery in terms of keeping your attention, right? Yeah, it was at times. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, this was, this was a really, you know, they haven't taken, they haven't taken the lead that they had the opportunity to do uh, this year because, you know, Star Trek is starting much later, right? So, yeah. Yeah. I think if you follow any of the social media stuff, like let's say um, the subreddits for Star Trek Discovery and the Orville, I think both shows have sort of the opposite problem. So I think uh, it like the, like the yin and yang problem of the other. So if you go into the Star Trek Discovery social media channels, uh, there are a lot of people who like, and there are a lot of people who don't like the modernization of Trek that's happening with Star Trek Discovery. It, it really sort of started with uh, possibly Enterprise, if we really go that far back, um, but certainly at least the J.J. Uh, Abrams, um, Calvin Timeline sort of movies, right? Where, where Star Trek was a definite thing for many, many years, um, maybe a little bit of too much of the same thing. And some folks tried to modernize it and, and that sort of culminates in the more Battlestar Galactica-esque, um, very heavily serialized-esque Star Trek Discovery. And there are some fans who like who straight up are not comfortable with that. And that's okay. Like, I, I am. That's cool. And I think the thing I'm hearing from the other side, and it seems like both of you guys uh, certainly feel this way, that um, the Orville is very heavily, like, firmly rooted in the past, right? It's not doing enough um, to sort of stretch the bounds of sci-fi or, or move out of its the shadow of its source material of, uh, of TNG. Um, there are definitely fans who like that, and there are definitely fans who don't. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see how these two shows sort of are, are intertwined with each other. It, it kind of reminds me of um, the old online arguments when Deep Space Nine and uh, Babylon 5 came out, right? Two shows kind of similar in concept. You know, it's a space station sort of thing. In this case, it's two shows uh, kind of similar-esque, kind of tied at the hip, at, at least historically. Um, I'll be very interested to see what ends up happening here. Yep. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, you're right that the tone was good, and but they're not off to a great start, so it'll be good to see where they go. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to the watch lists. Um, Jaime, what do you got for us on the watch list? Yeah, it's a little late for, for Christmas, but if you celebrate the uh, the 24 days of Christmas, uh, you double up the, the 12, there is the uh, Into the Spider-Verse Christmas album that's available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Music. I've not seen this movie, but apparently there's mention of this very album within the movie itself. And apparently Spidey Bells, the uh, Jingle Bells uh, bit, is sung by Chris Pine. <laughs> yeah, I 
I've listened to this playlist, I, it's kind of humorous, but I have no clue, no context, because I've not seen the uh, Golden Globe winning Into the Spider-Verse. So. Yeah, this is the new animated one, yeah. yeah, yeah this, was, was this one is the number one on my want-to-see list. I really thought I would see it over the holidays, but, but uh, just never never found the time for it. Right, cool. Similarly, Plus, on my somehow-didn't-see-over-the-holiday time frame was uh, Bumblebee, and in this case, it's a YouTube video on the director of Bumblebee breaking down the classic designs of Transformers Generation 1 and how they mapped those into the movie itself. And mm-hmm. um, been seeing good things about this movie. I think it's got above 90% freshness rating in Rotten Tomatoes last I looked. Um, seems like folks are pretty happy with it, uh, which is kind of unusual for a Transformers film, uh, given the, the prior Michael Bay ones, and also probably even less common for a prequel, which this is, takes place 20 years before. But I think part of that, in my opinion, is uh, watch this video and see how they stayed true to those designs, because those designs certainly caught my eye as like, wow, that's exactly what I remembered when I was a little kid. Yeah, and this Bumblebee is the, is the Bumblebee that was originally the Volkswagen, not the Camaro in the last Transformers movies, right? I believe it's intended to be the same character, but it is, you're right, he is a um, an old school Volkswagen Beetle in this well, one. That's what he was in the, in the comics and stuff or the original yeah the cartoon figure, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah yeah cool all right for me i got a couple of quick ones here um so I w- had the opportunity to watch Avengers Infinity War on Netflix because it's on Netflix here in Canada right now. So I sat down and watched that one from the very beginning. Um, and what was nice about it was rather than sitting in a theater with 3D glasses on me and all, all the you know things being hurled at me at full speed, um, if I missed something, I could go back and you know hit rewind on the on the remote real quick and uh, go back through it. I caught more of the sort of interplay between characters, like because there were some characters that come into the movie and then they kind of exit real quick without trying to give any spoilers away but um sort of more the connections with the other um 20 movies is it 20 19 movies or whatever we've had leading up to this one 20 plus yeah yeah so coming out of it you know i kind of after having watched it i think this is actually probably one of my favorite um movies of the whole marvel franchise because of the the, i love stories where all the sort of super characters come in and and inter interact with each other you know thor with the thor with the meeting the guardians of the galaxy and you know rocket you know steals the eye from some guy in the second movie or whatever which he then was able to to deal to um thor to fix the thor's eye thing i mean like all those sort of little things that i would have missed in the original movie i mean the original watching of the movie in the theater um i was able to go back and sort of get through and 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 figure that stuff out so that was really cool so next question for you guys is have you all um, i know how many seen bandersnatch but have you seen bandersnatch actually i haven't oh john have you seen bandersnatch i have not so bandersnatch is an interesting take on on the so, to, to clarify, it's Black Mirror, right? It's Black Mirror. Yeah, Black Mirror. Yeah, it's yeah, the new Black called... Mirror standalone movie, right? Yeah, it's standalone episode. Yeah, and it's it's the what do you, what do you call it? Make your own adventure book style. Yeah, choose your own adventure. Yeah, choose your own adventure. And and so you literally with your I mean the first time you see the remote, say you know pick up your remote and choose this path or that path. You're like what? And then you know you you follow down, and it's very well done because you don't get how they're doing what they're doing, and and as you go through the, it's very creatively done. And, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a choose your own adventure. I'm not going to spoil anything for people. It's based on like a kid who's writing a computer game on an old, uh, Sinclair, um, ZX something or other, uh, computer, um, uh, Timex used to sell them, um, back in the day and very, very popular in the UK. Um, sort of, it's sort of a competitor to the Commodore 64, I believe. Right. Um, anyway, he's writing this, this sort of game, this, uh, uh, thing and, and it's, it's very trippy. It's got all these sort of, you know, you, you end up in these, these pitfalls and you, 
you know, blind alleys and stuff like that in the story. And, and uh, I, I think it's it's interesting from an interplay point of view because I think every viewer has the potential to end up in a different place and see a different movie, which is so it's very, very well done that way. So I highly recommend watching Bandersnatch. And my last one is uh, we just interviewed on Roundabout. Um, Tammy promises to get her episodes out, you know, uh, in a timely manner. So I don't have a problem talking about this person here. We just uh, uh, interviewed the creator of Dr. Puppet, which is a stop motion animation of the Doctor Who universe. Um, and hmm. she started uh, five years ago with, uh, I think she said when Matt Smith first joined up. She's a puppeteer. She does stop motion anima- animation. In fact, she said pu- pu- puppet is the wrong terminology for, for this because it confuses people as to what a, a stop motion animation is. So, you know, sort of like Wallace and Gromit, where every, pick, every you know, scene is lit and put, the characters are posed. She makes the puppets herself. She has a bunch of friends. She started out in her living room, built, put them up on YouTube. BBC uh, is behind her. The Doctor Who people are behind, like behind, I don't mean behind her, but they're support, they're supportive of her fan art. Um, and she's, she's done Christmas specials. She's done, she went through the uh, several Matt Smith uh, episodes, a bunch of Peter Capaldi episodes. She's now done a Jodie Whittaker Doctor as well. And uh, yeah, they're, they're really interesting. They're, I mean, you know, the first one's kind of crude, but she's got a playlist. I'll put, I'll put a link to the playlist on YouTube. But yeah, they're, they're fun little uh, vignettes, you know, five minute long episodes of Doctor Who, of the various Doctor Who's from the 11th, 12th, and soon to be 13th Doctor. She even built a War Doctor in uh, in memory of uh, John Hurt, but uh, he hasn't actually used him in the story yet. But yeah, she she if you if you're curious about how she makes her puppets, she built one uh, built a puppet of the War Doctor in honor of uh, John Hurt after he passed away. Hmm. So that's my uh, my watch list. Cool. What do you got, John? Uh, well, this week we're going to see the return of the Good Place. Yay. Uh, I don't know if you guys are up to date on the Good Place. Yay! Yes, I am. I'm not, but it is definitely on my list to uh, to get up to speed on. So, uh, not to spoil too much, but uh, there was a big uh, sort of cliffhanger that left us off uh, back in December. Um, you know, of our our traveling heroes as they've sort of gone from uh, you know all these different existences and all these different existential um, discussions. Obviously, the show is deeply rooted in philosophy, um, and the last episode had uh, a great guest appearance by um, Stephen Merchant, um, one of my favorite British actors, and um, I'm dying to see where they go with the last few episodes. They're only back for a few weeks. I think they're back for two or three more episodes. I think that's all they have remaining in the season. Uh, But that show continues to evolve and continues to delight. It is both funny and heartfelt and uh, a great think piece as it goes. They, They clearly pay a lot of attention to it. It has an excellent companion podcast, which I would highly recommend as well. It's actually produced by uh, the show uh, showmakers an NBC podcast, um, and it comes out the day immediately following each episode. And they actually break down with the actors, directors, um, you know, people behind the scenes, special effects people. They break down what happened in the previous episode. It's really, really enjoyable. So um, I'm really looking forward to see how they wrap up uh, what has been a really, really interesting uh, third season of this show. What's the dance that, the, that they're using in in um, uh, what's that uh, game that everybody's playing? You know the oh, Fortnite. Yeah, the one where you, you do the the arm swing thing in front of you and behind you and flossing, flossing. There's yes. a there's a YouTube video of them trying to teach um, Ted. Yeah, I saw Ted that to floss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're trying to teach Ted Dance and how to floss. It is one of the funniest things. If you can find it online, it is it is an awesome thing because he's dressed up like Michael, the character from the show, where he's with his bow tie and his slicked back hair and his uh, his great you know look for that show. Uh, and it's it's him and William Jackson Harper who plays Cheedy. Uh, 
both uh, flossing. I think one of the other actors snapped this video and it is really, really funny. Um, you can tell that those people really like each other and that they're really having a good time. Uh, speaking of the Golden Globes, uh, uh, Kristen Bell was nominated for Best Actress for her performance uh, on that show. Um, Ted Danson mm. was nominated for um, an Emmy Award last year as well. So um, clearly a lot of buzz behind the show. It's clearly got a cult following and uh, it's already got a pickup for another season. So that's great news. And uh, yeah, I'm dying to see what happens. So what else we have to look forward to, John? Well, and again, I put in the no-brainer in our watch list. The no-brainer is, you know, yeah, we're a week and a half from season two of Discovery. And I know all three of us are really, uh, really excited to get back into that world, uh, especially, uh, you know, I think it finished pretty strong last year and uh, the short treks have whet our appetite to uh, get back in there. So yeah, we're finally going to get back to our raison d'etre and and uh, do some Star Trek Discovery again. So that's that's great. I'm looking forward to talking to you uh, guys and, and uh, breaking down what happens in this world and seeing how they integrate some of these, uh, you know, classic elements. We're going to see, you know, the original Enterprise. We're going to see Spock. We're going to see uh, Christopher Pike. We're going to see, you know, more from the characters that we've come to enjoy. We get to see, you know, how they evolve these characters, uh, considering where we left them off. Um, you know, they've all had these really interesting heroes' journeys over the, the last year from, you know, Saru to uh, to Tilly to uh, Michael Burnham. We've, you know, we've seen all these sort of evolutions and uh, it'll be really neat to see where they pick them up and take them next. So I'm, 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 I'm excited to get back to that world. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, where would they look? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at GPK News and also on Instagram as at GPK News. Cool. All right. And how many people want to get in touch with you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. All right. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitcher machine is probably the best way to get a hold of me. And so until, I guess, two weeks from now, we'll see you in the future. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the SpockCast website at SpockCast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpockCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Tim, did you tell Jaime what I got you for Christmas? The uh, the record? Uh, the record. You know... <laughs> the Asimov yeah. Shatner record? Yeah, of course, I don't have a record player, so... I know. I, well, I, I, I was going to record it for you, but I actually found... Oh. I'll send you the link. I found the... Um, it, somebody has recorded it and put it on YouTube. Yeah, you give me so. two records, and I, I like them both. They're sitting over on the shelf, but I can't remember what they are. One is a space one, like about moon landing recordings? It's a, yeah, it's a recording of the original uh, news broadcast and stuff of the moon landing. That was a very right. cool right. find.
Yeah, um, I have I have the um, the spacecraft films version of like all the video that was shot during that that mission. So on DVD, so I can go back and watch all two hours of the you know the, the one spacewalk that they did. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the other one is a sort of Shatner and Asimov. So, oh, so the Foundation, right? It, yeah. It's it's William a young William Shatner reading Isaac Asimov's Foundation on a record, which is interesting because that was the one I was just talking about. Didn't we just talk about space trucking? Yep. Yeah. So space. The, no, I don't know if it's called space trucking, but the 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 first foundation story is about how do you get from Earth to wherever they're going, and how do you get the supplies there? And it's the guys, it's a story about the people who do the transporting, right, or do the transporting. Yeah, I guess that's the word I should use, right? Yep, <laughs> but not in the trucky way. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as luck would have it, I, what I received for uh, Christmas from my lovely uh, wife and sons was uh, a, a new uh, record player. So oh, really? uh, okay. if you hmm. happen to be in the market for an old record player, I happen to know where I can. Yeah, get you should have that USB one, right? I do. So yeah, you don't even have to plug it into a stereo. You can just plug it into your um, computer and listen to it that way. Yeah. Well, I've got the the whole mic set up here too, so I can probably tap into it and rip stuff. I guess is the way to say it. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll send it along next time we see one another. So I can get back to listening to my original copy of Wish You Were Here with the, all the snap, crackle, and pops that I remember. Yeah, that's all, all here in my uh No, I have collection. that one. I never gave that one to you. Oh, no, yeah, okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I have some Frank Zappas and some uh, some other older uh, stuff that you've bequeathed me over the years. So uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. feel free to... Uh, if you want the nostalgic sound of music, you can come here for it. Sure, yeah, yeah. cool. Um, the other thing we didn't talk about, you know, we, we didn't uh, get back to Doctor Who. We were... Uh, oh, Harmon. That's right. We never really got back to Doctor Who because we, we sort of uh, wanted to get back to that and then we finally got our uh, uh, new year's episode right did mm-hmm. you guys watch the new year's episode i did yeah oh no i didn't i i hope it's on uh, was on dvr what was the title was, is it called new year's episode so no it had it. a different name um i'd have to look it up here but yeah i know it um i don't remember what they called it but it, yeah it was on obviously new year's day it was a good one i liked that one uh yeah his dad comes back right yes yeah and well and not to spoil anything behind me but more than just his dad yeah no i just i just want to leave it that at that Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny. It's not listed as an S- S11 episode because it's not... Uh, I just looked up season 11, but it's not actually not considered part of season 11. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have Three it on my PVR. Can I special. Oh, well, yeah. And the big story was that the ratings were, were abysmal compared to the Christmas episodes, but then they didn't factor in all the you know, streaming and all the other stuff. But apparently that was the big... Uh, the people in England were all over the story of, well, if you moved it here and you got bad ratings, you should put it back on Christmas. Christmas day, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I, I didn't ever really... Never really occurred to me. Like, I never... It never felt like they've made a point of making the Christmas episodes Christmassy. Mm-hmm. It never felt like a New Year's episode that was New Year's E, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I see two bits in the extras. There is Voyage of the Damned and Resolution, which actually shows Jodie Whittaker. Yes, Resolution is the name of the new. Uh, okay. That was the the episode. I just looked it up. Yeah. Okay. That, okay, that makes sense because I don't recognize this uh, this synopsis. Okay. All right. Your your homework is to watch that one, and then we'll we'll do our uh, our full synopsis. I did finally catch up over the holidays and watch uh, up to the end of the. First full season, mm-hmm. um, but I'm curious, uh, Jaime. Did you you finished the whole season, other than the, the New Year's episode? That's correct. And and that was your first foray into Who, right? You hadn't watched previous seasons. Correct, which is why I think it'll be interesting to see uh, different impressions from uh, old-time fans versus a, a newbie. Yeah. What uh, as as a newbie, what did you think of of the show? It, it's so weird to me because it. Um, I feel like. <laughs> 
like the the TLDR is I didn't quite get what the tone was supposed to be, and mm-hmm. I didn't quite um I didn't feel like anything really happened with the exception of like one character. It felt like Ryan didn't really go anywhere except for his relationship to Graham, who Graham seems to have a pretty good arc over the season. Mm-hmm. And Yaz, I feel like I don't know much about her other than she's a police officer and she's Pakistani. Mm. And if you and if you shoved her in any random episode, she would be the same as she was at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't really evolve a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what to expect from the doctor. The doctor seems like uh, an interesting like wizard type of character. Um, so I did like that. I did like Jodie Whittaker's uh, portrayal of that. I just felt like the stories didn't always go someplace um, where I would have liked them to go. It sort of felt like, oh, okay, this thing happened. <laughs> All right. Sure. Um, and there wasn't really, I, I understand that a lot of times there are story arcs of some sort in mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Who seasons. There wasn't really one in this season other than a villain showing up um, at the beginning and at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, 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 I'm probably not the most uh, qualified person, but it, it didn't strike me as a great introduction into the Doctor Who universe. Really? Hmm. It seems like it would be better for folks who were uh, more familiar with the universe. Well, you know what? I think I think it's an interesting interesting perspective, but I think that anybody who's watched Doctor Who at any point in their life, other than the people who watched it from the very, very beginning, would all say the same thing. Because you, you land in the middle of this, whatever doctor is your first doctor, you land in the middle of this doctor guy and you're like, what? You know, like, because they don't, they don't, they kind of explain things as they're running madly through a scene, as opposed to giving mm-hmm. any sort of backstory, explore, exp, what do you call it? Expo, exploration? Exposition, it? yeah. Exposition, yeah. They kind of, yeah. every episode it's kind of like you know it's almost like they're making it up as they go along which by the way nudge nudge they are um you know um so yeah it doesn't matter the the doctor doctor always sort of has some you know uh, uh, i think i sent you a link to a a youtube video that saw the other day where um it's it's pretty common for the doctor to name to say the name of the episode that the doctor's in inside the episode right um kind of like how we name our our podcast episodes but um Mm -hmm. you know somebody will say something that's kind of interesting or poignant or funny or whatever and that becomes the title of our show well anyway but that happens as well and i think that doesn't matter where you like i mean i was trying to think today i was talking to tammy and and the uh the the lady that does the um the puppet doctor um that i don't remember if john pertwee or or tom baker was my first doctor but i just remember being a little confused when i first started watching it you know because you just kind of land right in the middle of this guy called the doctor who has this companion who has a tardis and it travels through time you know well we talked about it before uh, in one of our previous episodes, but this season particularly because uh, this was a double restart. Usually over the yes. last few series, there's been either a, the Doctor or the Companion has sort of carried over between iterations. Yeah. This was the first time in several years that they've done both simultaneously. Yeah. So well, you used to do that really back in the day in. as well. Like that uh, used so to be... Siri, don't help. <laughs> So we could replace Tim with Siri is what she's saying? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> this is our new guest host. Her name is Siri. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, uh, you know, it has happened in the past, but I think, I think it's been a little easier transition. Like, I think, you know, what Jaime is describing as sort of, you know, who are these people and what's happening and you yeah. sort of have to sort of get your feet under you and go yeah. is very true. I think if you were jumping on board, you would probably come out of it and say, hey, I like uh, Jodie Whittaker. I like some of the supporting mm-hmm. cast. The adventures were interesting. Not all of them, but, but most of them were good. 
it was not very cohesive. So I think if you were looking for sort of an overarching theme, I don't think you would find that in this particular season. There certainly are in the Matt Smith and David Tennant eras far better um, seasons of collective entire seasons yeah. uh, that work well together, I think, than, than this one did. Um, well, there's also an interesting twist in that, in that you know, the TARDIS is very much part of the Doctor, right? And yeah. it starts the season without a TARDIS. She's lost mm-hmm. a TARDIS in, in the Christmas season, Christmas episode just before this, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't, you don't, and I was kind of thinking about how Jaime would react to this in the second episode because she's trying to find the TARDIS, but they're not calling it the TARDIS sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, until she gets to the very end and then everybody kind of goes, well, what is this thing? And how could it possibly be bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, you know? Yeah. Which, if you've read the Robert Asprin, what's that series? Myth, myth books? Myth Adventures? Myth books, yeah, yeah, yeah. They always had the tents that were giant on the inside and Harry Potter stole that for... Yeah, yeah it's a common scene. trope in fi- fantasy sci-fi. The, yeah, uh, yeah. Expanding, yeah. Tent, magic tent, yeah. But, but again, I think if you look at it as a whole, even looking, you know, without spoiling the, the final episode, I think, you know, Jodie Whittaker was charming. I think she was great. Mm-hmm. I think there's some potential in the supporting cast, although I think Jaime has absolutely nailed it with the fact that I don't think they were as realized as they could have been. And I think that there's some work to be done. The other thing we've sort of glossed over is, as we talked about uh, in a previous episode, uh, you know, this is a new creative cast behind the scenes, too. Right. You know, this new is the first runner, yeah. new showrunner, new writers. This is a sort of a new reboot across the board. Um, it was very much more just sort of slow burn standalone episodes. And they, there were some good ones and there were some OK ones. I don't think there was genuinely any bad ones. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see where they go. And again, apparently they're not coming back for a year. It'll be interesting to see how they come back at it. Are we going to continue with more sort of anthology? Who can do Doctor Who can do whatever, go anywhere? And we'll just get more of that. Or are they going to sort of go back to a more cohesive, let's see, a story arc, you know, tie it into some of the mythology that's larger? Because this one also didn't really go a lot of connective tissue to the previous uh, Doctor Who world. So. Right. And Jaime didn't see the last, he didn't see the, the New Year's episode, so he didn't see the garbage can with the plunger stuck in front of it. No. Which no. is what no, had Jonathan running, screaming from the room back in the day. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they sort of build from this. I think it's certainly a good foundation. And again, I, I am now a Jodie Whittaker fan. I think her performance, uh, she really got a lot more. The thing I didn't enjoy about the previous Doctor was um, he was just a little dour. Uh, she just had brought a little more joyfulness to it. She was a little more, for me, that sort of... Um, Positive outlook know, kind of person. Well, just just a little bit more of a, you know, a, a manic and silly, you know, performance. That she, The way she cocked her eyebrow and sort of gave you the, the you know, the, the sort of side smile and stuff like that. She has that same Matt Smith, David Tennant wit and charm. Um, and the, just a little bit of life that was missing, I think. You know, there were some really heavy episodes over the last few years. Not that they were all bad. I mean, I he was a, a, a terrific actor. But this really brought a little bit more of the joy back to it that I think was missing. And, yeah, and yeah. it's certainly enough to make me want more so to, to come back again. Yeah, and I've said it before, the Christopher Eccleston Who, Doctor Who. Same thing, um, too dour. He, he was a bit, yeah, he was a bit crusty and a bit curmudgeonly. Like, I mean, I watched it because I liked the franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that you would watch it, you know, Star Trek having no matter which one of the earlier versions you'd seen. But um, yeah, I wasn't really happy with it until it started getting into, into David, or sorry, uh, David Tennant. Yeah, David yep. Tennant. Yeah. Yep. So. All right, we got to wrap it up, boys. Right. So I guess we'll talk to you mm-hmm. guys in the future. All right. Good to talk to you guys. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. See ya.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.